and get ready for three hours of Southern Conversation. We are the Y'all Show, broadcasting on great radio stations across the Southeast, as well as in podcast form, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, and we're also posted at the South's homepage. That would be y'all.com. Hope everybody doing good on a Wednesday. A Wednesday that, what do we got? One more day left in the month of November. Then we've got December coming Friday. I think that's right. I just wrote my checks out that have to be paid December 1st. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of a guy that does stuff in advance, or I try to, because I don't want to ever be the guy that forgets to pay a bill. Are you one of those folks? Yeah, what's the responsible thing to do? Friday is December 1st. I just checked it. So we got to blow out the month of November in a big way, and we're going to do that. Thank you for joining us. John Rawl is my name. I am the general. I mean the five-star, sometimes six-star general of what's going on in the southeast today. And I hope you will join me, my fellow generals, as, yeah, yeah, you're a general. We'll go ahead and give you the uh, Battlefield Commission. Get you in here in the war against Yankees and the war that we got going on against wokeness and all the other things we got to be fighting here on this show. We put the South first. We put the South and what's going on first. We lift our heads up about the South. We are not ashamed to say, I'm from the South and the South's going to do it again. <laughs> Ain't that right, Charlie Daniels? We're going we're gonna to get to making the South great again. Well, the South's always been great, okay, so maybe I shouldn't start that whole new political movement, but we are going to go a long way today on this y'all show, making the South at least heard across the world today. We got headlines to tell you about as we go through today's show. We will tell you about the headline coming in. Sadly, this doesn't involve necessarily the South, but it does involve our American military on Osprey aircraft has crashed off of southern Japan, at least one death. I've got the latest on that story. Business news from Texas. It looks like Mark Cuban, the loudmouth owner of the Dallas Mavericks, trying to sell his ball club. We'll give you the latest from the NBA. Don't know if you saw this Tuesday, but in Atlanta, the first of two funeral services for Rosalind Carter was held. And President Biden, his wife Jill, Flew down on Air Force One. Michelle Obama was alongside him. I think even the Clintons, Bill and Hillary, were on Air Force One as they flew from the nation's capital to Georgia's capital. And Melania Trump also joined them, as well as Laura Bush, for the memorial for Rosalind Carter. She will be buried today in Plains, Georgia. We got the latest on that as we'll pass those headlines. A novelist out of the state of Florida has died, Tim Dorsey. We'll tell you more about the loss of this writer. Plus, there are right now four boaters missing in the Mississippi River near New Orleans. And the Coast Guard is searching for these these guys who are from another country, but they're missing on the mighty Mississippi. We'll give you the latest there. Alex Murdoch. You know, I need to learn how to say this guy's name. His name is Alec, like smart Alec. Alec Murdoch. Alec Murdoch. Sentenced to 27 years in prison for financial crimes Tuesday. We've got audio we're going to play today of Murdoch speaking out. And, I mean, you'd have to think it's pretty heartfelt as much as he's been through. But I've got a clip I'm going to play where he's talking to his, maybe arguably his best friend in the world. And I'll play that for you later in the show. 
Also, we've got stories coming out of the state of Alabama. Birmingham Southern College is in enormous, enormous financial problems. This small college in the Magic City. And the city of Birmingham now stepping up to try to keep it open. We've got the latest and some celebrity news to pass along today. Rick Ross, the rapper, was back in Clarksdale, Mississippi over the Thanksgiving break. We'll tell you what Rick Ross was doing. Also, Dolly Parton revealing why she does not send text messages. We've got all that in our news headlines coming today. Also on this Wednesday Y'all Show here in this opening hour, we've got hashtag hullabaloo. And we're going to go back to that Rosalind Carter funeral, if you will. I think it was more of a service because the actual funeral is on this Wednesday in Plains, Georgia. But somebody pointed out one of the songs played there at that service in Atlanta on at Emory University on Tuesday. And we're going to talk about Blessed Assurance. That's coming up, plus some comments about the first cold snap in the South this year. We got all that in our social media fund that we call hashtag Hullablue. Hour two today, we got Southern Food for Thought coming your way and packaged in that. The best ways to can are pickle, veggies, and fruit. You know, fruit is something that needs to be canned or can be canned. And so we thought now that it's getting cold and you might want to stay inside, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to have you learn best ways to can or pickle veggies and fruit. And we've got a great little video coming to us from Adeline Zook, and it's a video called Canning 101. And we're going to go in and listen to some of that in our food spotlight hour number two, Canning Y'all, right here on the Y'all Show. Plus, in our second hour today, we've got our Southern Business Spotlight coming, and we've got some numbers being totaled on the success of Black Friday. It was a good day. And hopefully Cyber Monday was a good day. Maybe even Giving Tuesday was a good day. I think that was yesterday. It may be next next Tuesday. I'm not sure. You know, sadly, I haven't I've not given like I'm supposed to, at least not this month. So I got another day to to pull it off, y'all. So let's let's try to do better, John. We got all that coming in our Southern Business Spotlight Hour number two. In our final hour today, we will have a Southern History Spotlight. We got a bunch of people with birthdays. On this day, actor Lucas Black, the guy from North Alabama that's been in a bunch of movies, especially when he was a youngster, he's got a birthday today. How about former NC State Wolfback quarterback, now with the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson, a birthday today. Governor Andy Bashir, the newly re-elected governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, celebrates a birthday today. Happy birthday, Governor. And... A lady with a birthday today that we're going to carry over into the final segment of today's Y'all Show, Anna Ferris, born on this day in Baltimore, Maryland. And we're going to learn more about her. And in our final segment today, we've got our weekly look at humor. And she's a funny lady. She's been in some great movies. And Anna Ferris, we're going to go in and hear a clip of her talking about some of the movies that she's been in and specifically the looks that she's had. I believe she was the one that was in Sorority Girl or some movie like that where she's an adult that goes back to college. And she's the one that actually wore those costumes. Anna Ferris, funny lady, funny actress. She's part of our Southern Humor Spotlight. And that's coming up in our final hour of the Y'all Show here today. So thank you for being a part of it. If you'd like to jump on the Y'all train, you're welcome to text us. 615-208-4184 is one way to get us. Also, you can email us anytime. M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com.
would love to hear from you. Let's jump into a few headlines on this Wednesday show, and we start off today again with that update from the United States military. An Osprey aircraft has crashed off of southern Japan. Six folks on board, and now at least one person confirmed dead as the military now searching off of southern Japan for that. The cause of the crash and the status of the five others, not immediately known, but we are looking and Japanese officials looking as the Coast Guard received an emergency call from a fishing boat near Yakoshima, an island south of Kagoshima, and that's off of uh, Kyoshu in southern Japan. And Coast Guard aircraft and patrol boots, they've already found one person, and they were pronounced dead at a local hospital. But unfortunately, at least one person now dead. The Osprey is a hybrid aircraft that takes off and lands like a helicopter, but during flight can rotate its propellers forward and cruise much faster like an airplane. And this version of this plane is flown by the United States Marine Corps as well as the Navy and the Air Force. If you've ever been hanging out on the beach around Destin, Florida, chances are you might have seen one go right across the beach there because I think they learn how to fly those things in Pensacola. I think I'm right on that. And there's a lot of osprey that fly on the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida for sure in their training missions. And they're quite quite an aircraft, but unfortunately it looks like one has gone down and we wish the best for our military as they search for those what we hope will be survivors of this crash off of southern Japan. Some business-slash-sports news to tell you about. Mark Cuban, the guy that you know from his loudmouth ways on managing and owning an NBA team, the Dallas Mavericks. He's also been a reality TV host and more. Mark Cuban now working on a $3.5 billion sale of his NBA franchise, and he's going to look like he's going to try to sell it to the Sands Casino family. And that, unfortunately, could mean, I hope this is not true, possibly a move because the Sands folks are all based out of Vegas. But he's working on a deal to sell his majority stake in the NBA franchise to this family that runs the Las Vegas Sands, a casino company. The agreement, again, 3.5 bill. And Mark Cuban, would contrain, he would retain control of basketball operations in the deal, but he's going to try to sell the majority owner of this to this Vegas family. The company controlled by Miriam Adelson, who is the widow of Sheldon Adelson, and... Again, I'm hoping this doesn't mean that there's a chance this team could move to Vegas. I mean, Vegas is getting a bunch of sports teams. The Oakland Athletics appear to be headed that way. The Las Vegas Raiders are now called that after spending time in Oakland for so many years, L.A. too. But now the Raiders are in Vegas. you got NHL, an expansion team that started there that's done extremely well. I think they even won the Stanley Cup. You've got uh, football, basketball. I guess you got WNBA's got a team there that's won a couple of titles. Sportstown USA, of course, betting big time in Vegas. And the Sands family now betting that Mark Cuban's going to sell his NBA franchise, or at least the majority of it, to them. We'll let you know if that goes through. So Tuesday in Atlanta, 
Rosalind Carter was honored, and she had a service there on the campus of Emory University. And at this service, the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and his wife, Jill, were present. You also had former President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary, flew down for the service there at Emory. Former First Ladies, Laura Bush, Michelle Obama, and Melania Trump also on hand. And the widow of Rosalind Carter was able to be wheeled in and was on the front row, Jimmy Carter. At age 99 and a man who's been in hospice care for nearly a year was on hand to see his wife be memorialized in Atlanta. Today, the Carter family will gather in Plains, Georgia. There will be a funeral at Marantha Baptist Church. And that's the church that the Carters have been worshiping for decades. And that's where the hometown funeral will take place. And then she'll be buried on the Carter family property there at the Carter family home in Plains, Georgia. Rosalind will be buried in a plot that she will one day share with her husband. And they first met when she... Hold on a second. I'm trying to read... Okay, I don't know what that uh, email that came in means, but we'll just skip past it. So, yeah, you got the funeral going on today for the former First Lady of the United States, and it was a very touching service at Emory on Tuesday, a beautiful church there, and a a great choir slash, I I don't think it was an orchestra, but just a lot of people there to pay tribute to Rosalind Carter, Garth Brooks and Tricia Yearwood on hand to sing, and a a great, great send-off in Atlanta. Now today, Plains will say goodbye to the former First Lady and humanitarian Rosalind Carter. We will have more headlines from across the southeast today. We'll tell you about some boaters that are missing on the Mississippi River, and right now the Coast Guard searching for them in the New Orleans area. We got that as a headline to pass along and other goings-on of the day. All that is right after this timeout as we continue on with more of the show that shakes the Southland. Picking up strangers Let me tell you about the dangers You never know what they're out to get from you You never know what they're gonna try to do Picking up strangers Let me tell you about the dangers Some are just common thieves, they say The next thing you know, one will steal your heart away Sometimes this old life It seems like a highway And it keeps rolling On and on And on that highway You meet a lot of strangers You pass a lot of dangers On your way home Picking up strangers Let me tell you about the dangers 
If you don't like taking chances, then you better keep moving on, my friend. There's a fellow there that's on a goodbye tour right now, Johnny Lee, in one of his cool songs during that urban cowboy era of country music. We're about halfway through our opening hour of the show that is all Southern. Let's pick up with a few more headlines of the day. We start off with a story coming from the New Orleans area. The Coast Guard currently searching for four missing boaters. And they're in the Bell Chase area of the lower Mississippi. The four men who are missing are Bangladeshi nationals who were aboard a freighter that was reported missing late on Monday evening, and they failed to report for a meeting. The Coast Guard is now looking actively across lower Mississippi, south of New Orleans. The Coast Guard searching for the men with a helicopter and a small boat crew. But, again, four guys that were supposed to show up for a meeting, and now they are, I don't know if you could call it AWOL in civilian boating, but that's just the case. And, again, this is a reminder of how awesome our United States Coast Guard is that they would be out inland. This is inland on the Mississippi River searching for these four men who were working on this freighter that was moving up the Mississippi River, possibly down. Not sure where it was coming from, but we hope that the Coast Guard is able to find these men in the Bell Chase area of Louisiana as they search for these missing Bangladeshis. Alec Murdoch was back in the news on Tuesday as he was sentenced to 27 years for financial fraud after victims on Tuesday confronted him in court. And now in our second hour today, I've gonna, I'm going to actually play some audio from Murdoch speaking. And he, he, you know, this is a guy who's a smart guy. He's a lawyer, practiced, was very successful. If he hadn't become a criminal, he would have been a multimillionaire for the rest of his life. He came from a very good family in Hampton, South Carolina. But Tuesday, the disgraced lawyer had to sit there and have people go after him, and rightfully so, rightfully so. But what was amazing was when he addressed them before he was sent off to to jail. And you have to just believe that he was very, very heartfelt in his words back to the people that he stole from, the people that he ruined their lives in some cases. Tuesday, Murdoch was sentenced to 27 years in prison for stealing about $12 million in jail, uh, $12 million from all of his victims. These were people that he stole $12 million from, in most cases, were very, very close people to him. In some cases, his law firm partners. In some cases, people he grew up with. He took advantage of them. And on Tuesday, the judge allowed him to speak back to the victims. And he spoke for at least 45 minutes, I think it was. Judge Clifton Newman given him that opportunity. And I'm going to, again, let you hear some of that audio in hour two. But what a what a fall from grace. And, again, Murdoch and his lawyers, Dick Harputlian among them, agreeing to this 
plea deal where he's got 27 years now that he will have to serve. 85% of it, I think he has to serve before he would be eligible for some kind of parole. But agreeing at least on Tuesday to the 27 years in prison for the financial crimes, he's already in prison right now on two death sentences for, for killing his wife and his son. That's what he was convicted of. Now, the clip I'm going to play for you, he gets wound up talking about the death of his wife and son, and I'm going to let you hear that coming up later in today's Y'all Show. Birmingham Southern College is the small college in Birmingham. You may know someone who attended there, founded by the United Methodist Church back in the day. But it's been having a lot of problems staying open. The college that's provided a lot of alumni who've gone on and done great things in the world, and they've been having a hard time staying open. We've seen a lot of colleges that have a Methodist ancestry, if you will, go out of business. But earlier this week, the city of Birmingham approved $5 million in loans to keep Birmingham Southern open. The president, Daniel Coleman, after the council meeting, said that it was an important step in the right direction as they've been working to try to keep the college open. With the city's funding, the private liberal arts college should be able to open in fall of 2024. Birmingham Southern College just barely hanging on. The city had previously pledged $5 million, contingent on the state loaning the college $30 million. I don't know where that ended up going, but right now Birmingham Southern College has 700 students and 292 employees. That's kind of ridiculous. They got that many employees and only 700 students. Almost as many employees as students. But uh, they're in a world of hurt there at Birmingham Southern College in Alabama, and uh, the city at least trying to keep them on life support going forward. And a feel-good story to wrap up our news headlines today. Have you heard of Rick Ross? He's a rapper. Rick Ross the rapper. And over the Thanksgiving break, Ross returned to his hometown of Clarksdale, Mississippi. And there he helped feed the community for Thanksgiving. Ross's grandparents, Tommy and Rosa Lee Fields, lived at a home on Barn Street in Clarksdale up until their deaths in uh, the last 12 years or so. Both of them have passed away. And since they have died, the family has held a balloon release at their home where family members still live. And Ross used the opportunity to come back to Clarksdale and honor his grandparents and help out. He ordered food from Turkey Leg Hut in Houston, Texas, and he helped feed about 300 members of the community. Rick Ross, rapper Rick Ross, coming back in to see family and put a little Thanksgiving cheer in. Certainly love to tell you headlines like this of rappers and other entertainers coming back and putting smiles on faces and helping feed the community. Way to go, Rick Ross, as he was back in Cahoma County in the Mississippi Delta for Thanksgiving 2023. That wraps up our news headlines of the day. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to social media. We've had a few things come to our desk that we'll tell you about it. And we're going to talk about a little bit more the funeral that was held or memorial service was more like it. 
for Rosalind Carter, and there was a song played there if you had a chance to listen or see that thing, Blessed Assurance. I'm going to tell you more about that great hymn and other social media fun when the Y'all Show continues after this. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst on my side Angels descending, bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long. Georgia boy Alan Jackson bringing us back from break with a little blessed assurance. And what a, a great song, a beautiful song. And we're playing that today because we got social media fun to talk about. We call it hashtag hullabaloo. And on hashtag hullabaloo, this is where we find things from social media and pass them right back to you. And Sam Tweets is on social media. The X account is now I am Sam. Sam tweets says they're a leader, a mentor, an NC State fan. Way to go. Change maker, a belly laugher, an aspiring angel investor, and a womanist. All right. Thank you, Sam tweets. Sam writes, Wow, what a beautiful rendition of Blessed Assurance. And they've got the hashtag Rosalind Carter. And so what Sam's talking about, Tuesday on the campus of Emory in Atlanta, Presidents Carter, Presidents Carter, Biden, and Clinton all were there alongside their spouses if they were living. And then you also had Laura Bush, Michelle Obama, and Melania Trump on hand for the Atlanta going away for Rosalind Carter, who passed away just over a week ago at the age of 96, her funeral today in Plains, Georgia. But the tremendous choir gathered there at the church on the campus of Emory played Blessed Assurance, and it was a what they called a beautiful rendition. I, I think it was the choir. I didn't see the whole thing, so I'm, I'm just kind of guessing the choir there. Garth and Trisha were there, so maybe they're the ones that sang the song. Either way, a tremendous tune, blessed assurance, and Sam tweets taking time today to point it out. Now, I have gone in and looked up some information on this 
Christian hymn called Blessed Assurance. The lyrics were written way back in 1873 by a woman from upstate New York, Fanny Crosby. The lyrics written by her, and you know what? She was a blind writer. She did not see, but boy, did she have a gift for writing and, and music. Fanny Crosby wrote Blessed Assurance. The music was written by Phoebe Knapp. And together, Crosby and Knapp teaming up for Blessed Assurance. Crosby was actually visiting her friend Phoebe Knapp as the Knapp home was having a large pipe organ installed. And according to legend, the organ was actually incomplete back in 1873. So Miss Knapp, using the piano, played a new melody that she had just composed. And when Knapp asked Crosby, what do you think the tune says? Crosby replied, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. (laughs) You know, sometimes Jesus and also God himself have to have a hand in the way things work out. You know, there's no doubt about it. There is a blessed assurance that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit were all involved. The Holy Trinity coming through when you have a moment like that. And you have a song that will now carry on through the ages called Blessed Assurance. Again, this is from a woman who could not even see, but sort of like a a Helen Keller with the incredible divine guidance able to make a difference in the world. And this song here for 150 years now has gone and inspired people and people like Alan Jackson putting it on some of their gospel albums and people like Sam tweets on social media, hearing it maybe for the first time on Tuesday at the Rosalind Carter Memorial. And it made such a difference. So thank you to those Yankee ladies back in the 1870s, Fanny Crosby and Phoebe Knapp for coming up with blessed assurance. Next up in our social media fun, it's Sweet Tea Liberal on X at Sweet Tea underscore Lib. Sweet Tea Liberal. They don't hide it. They do not. They, they, they certainly are proud to be a Sweet Tea Liberal as they write, I am a liberal from Georgia that works in information technology and loves soccer, scrubs, Cougar Town, Sopranos, memes, and liberal causes. I guess they probably don't have a Make America Great Again sticker on their. Volvo, no, Subaru, I'm sorry, I apologize, Sweden, on their Subaru, yeah, Uh, sweet tea underscore liberal is the person I'm talking about, well, this is not a liberal cause that sweet tea liberal is out running their mouth about today on the y'all show, sweet tea liberal, evidently, is not a big fan of the cold weather, as they put out on X this week, a meme, and the meme says, first cold snap in the south, my dry arse clogged nose, humidity, and she's got a funny little meme there. Okay, not quite as funny to tell you about as it was on X when you could see the, the, the gif that was in ta- attached to it, but sweet tea liberal, we get your point. And I, I just have to wonder, sweet tea liberal, Are you the reason Georgia, you say you're from Georgia, are you the reason Georgia is now blue? And we saw that big time on display 
on Tuesday. I mean, you've got Jimmy Carter, a Democrat, his wife passing away, and they've got the funeral today and the, the Memorial Tuesday in Atlanta. But he was a Democrat. His wife was a very active Democrat. I, I assume you could put them both in the category of liberal Democrats. And so that these, these are people who grew up in the Jim Crow South, if you will. I mean, they, they went to college in the 1940s when there were no black folks attending colleges like, in Jimmy's case, the Georgia Institute of Technology. I don't even know if Annapolis, which he also attended, was integrated in the 1940s. I assume it was, but if it was, it was not, not much to it. Uh, the United States military was certainly segregated during World War II, in which Jimmy Carter served. But when Air Force One landed in Atlanta Tuesday with Joe Biden, a Democrat on board, and his Democrat First Lady, Jill, when they got off the plane, the party welcoming them to Atlanta were all Democrats. It was the mayor of Atlanta welcoming them to Atlanta for the memorial service and also joining the Bidens on the Air Force One journey from D.C. were the Clintons, Bill and Hillary were there, as well as Michelle Obama, all D's. But I want to let you know that the greeting party were all D's too. You had the mayor of Atlanta. Then you have Raphael Warnock, United States senator, a Atlanta guy, one of the two senators for Georgia, a Democrat, right there, shaking hands, welcoming the president and others to Atlanta. But the other United States senator for Georgia was also right there, side-by-side, Raphael Warnock. That would be the Georgia sub- the Atlanta suburbs' own John Ossoff. And Ossoff is a Democrat. Georgia has two Democratic United States senators. In a portion of the world that there are no Democratic senators within a thousand miles of Georgia, I'm I'm kind of exaggerating, but not really. You'd have to go to Virginia to find a state that's got another Democratic senator anywhere in the South, in in the Deep South. And of course, Virginia's got two, with Warner and Kane representing the Commonwealth of Virginia. I wonder if that's going to change. Is Virginia going to ever get a Republican U.S. Senator again? But Georgia, you know, you you talk about the 2020 election and Trump claiming the thing was rigged in the state of Georgia. You have to wonder if it really was when you see that you've got two U.S. Senators, both of which are maybe not both. I know Warnock has had to win that seat several times over and he's been able to pull it off so it may not be anywhere close to being a republican state anymore the state of georgia dominated of course by metro atlanta but yeah that's just a reminder and and when melania trump was there in the memorial on tuesday she was the only well laura bush was there i i guess i overlooked her but (laughs) I put Laura Bush in the bushes right there alongside the Obamas. They're like BFFs. But uh, I wonder what Melania Trump, I wonder how she was treated. I'm sure y'all thought the same thing.
I wonder if anybody even spoke to her. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, she's not a political person. She's got raising her kid as her number one priority. And I think he's going to be a high school senior next year, Mr. Barron Trump. But Georgia is definitely blue. And you know what, sweet tea liberal? I bet you that makes you pretty dang happy. Let's pick up another social media post here on the Y'all Show. It comes to us from Amy JB with the X account at Boss Claw. And Amy JB, a mystery guest versus deceitful leftists who wish to destroy and dictate control. Um, I don't know what the heck you're going there with that one, Amy. Let's let's see what Amy, that was her profile. Let's get to at Boss Claw's post that caught our producer's attention. It says, good news, that's a crazy prescription to clean cast iron like that after every use. Are you sure you're Southern living? Hashtag cooking. Okay. Uh, I don't have an image to go along with this, producer, so I'm just going to take a guess that Amy JB, a.k.a. at Boss Claw, is talking about cleaning up maybe a cast iron skillet because they talk about that's a crazy prescription to clean cast iron like that after every use. Look, I love our cast iron skillets of the South, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Are you listening to me? But my goodness, are they kind of hard to, and that's where Lodge is, by the way. That's the company that most of the South, I think, uses Lodge cast iron skillets. But it is a booger to clean, at least the old-fashioned way. In fact, I've been told, no, 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 you don't use soap and water to clean a cast iron skillet. There are other tricks of the trade when it comes to cleaning up a cast iron skillet. All I know is if you can get a cast iron skillet seasoned just right and you can use it just right, boy, does it make a difference, especially when you're scrambling up some eggs or cooking bacon or something like that. It's just dang southern and that's just the way we like it here in the south but kudos again to 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 lodge in south pittsburgh yeah we've got a town if you don't know this in the south (laughs) called pittsburgh but it's called south pittsburgh in the state of tennessee and it's a an unusual little spot because it is essentially right next to alabama you you it's almost like an island to get to South Pittsburgh, it's between Nashville and Chattanooga. It's really close to Chattanooga, but it's it's just off of Interstate 24. But you have to get off the interstate and then head toward Scottsboro, Alabama on US 72. And you don't go but a little piece, and you end up, you're on the west side of the Tennessee River is where you are, and South Pittsburgh's right there on the river. And they've got an awesome bridge there at South Pittsburgh that crosses over the Tennessee and goes over to, I assume, another little community. But all that right there is also close to Georgia. It's essentially the intersection of Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama. And South Pittsburgh is right off of US-72. But uh, they, they have that large cast iron skillet plant there. And they even have a annual festival there. That I believe it's the Iron Skillet Festival, something like that. We've been to it before with y'all and 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 have set up. I didn't personally go, but a minion of mine named Mr. Blue 
went there, I believe, at one point and got a lot of flack because we actually had just come out with a food-themed cover for y'all, the magazine, and we didn't have Paula Dean as the featured person on it. We had a guy named Emerald Lagasse. And people, according to Mr. Blue, kept coming up and say, where's Paula Dean? Where's Paula Dean? Why don't you have Paula Dean on the cover? On our food-centric cover of Y'all Magazine, circa 2005, probably. Uh, that was a mistake on our part. I like Emerald, but Paula Dean would certainly have sold more magazines at the time, y'all, as she would say. But South Pittsburgh, spelled a little bit differently than that place up in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, in Tennessee at least, is P-I-T-T-S-B-U-R-G. They don't put an H on the end of the one in uh, in, in southern I mean, it's kind of technically Middle Tennessee because it's on the west side of the Tennessee River right there, but I would assume most of those people identify with Chattanooga more than they do with, let's say, Nashville. But, yeah, there is that bridge that crosses over the Tennessee right there, and it heads over to an area that's truly sort of an island in the state of Tennessee, and there's a community called New Hope that you can find there that uh, you can only access by crossing that bridge at South Pittsburgh, or coming in from the very extreme northeastern corner of Alabama. And believe it or not, there's a community right there in northeastern Alabama called Long Island. I wonder if they got iced tea there in Long Island, Alabama. I have not been to Long Island, Alabama. Let me put that on my itinerary for the future. That's all part of our social media fun here on today's Y'all Show. Thank you so much. We've just about covered it all. When we go from cast iron skillets to talking about Pittsburgh, and then we take take you from Pittsburgh to Long Island, and we probably only went about five miles from South Pittsburgh and Tennessee to Long Island, Alabama. More of the Y'all Show coming up. It's hour two on the show that shakes the Southland. Happy middle of the week to you. It's the show all about the South. We call it Y'all, the perfect four-letter word. Y-A-L-L. But you you, you got to put that apostrophe in there to be grammatically correct. Y apostrophe A-L-L. Y'all is the show. Rawl is the name. And John is my first name. Good to have you back here on this program powered by Y'all.com, the South's homepage. No apostrophe there. That's Y-A-L-L dot com. Got a really cool second hour coming at you. We've got more headlines to pass along. We've got food to talk about here in our second hour. And we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to tell you about canning. Because I've got an article that shows the best days to can. And we've got a couple of days right around the corner that are going to be good days for canning. All you canners out there. 
And so we've got an article of the best days to can or pickle vegetables and fruit. And to top that off in our canning expose, we've got Ashley, or rather her name is Adeline Zook. She's got a YouTube channel. Adeline Zook has a YouTube channel, and we're going to play a little video from that called Canning 101. Oh, it's graduate level stuff, although it's listed at the 101 level. Canning 101 from Adeline Zook. That's coming up in just a handful of minutes in the second hour of our Y'all Show. Before we get out of here today, we've got some Black Friday numbers coming in in our Southern Business Spotlight of the week. And, y'all, it was a pretty dang good day for retailers across the nation. And we had Cyber Monday that just happened. And I think you're going to see when the numbers are all calculated a very good retail success for people on Cyber Monday as well as Black Friday, Giving Tuesday also going on. So it's a time to spend. Although... Boy, is it not hard to spend when things cost so dang much and things are so complicated. Okay, so if you'll let me get on a soapbox for a moment, I kind of sort of need a new phone. Mine is six years old, and I'm actually missing phone calls from time to time. So that gives me here a chance publicly to tell all of you who've been trying to call me lately, uh, it's not me, it's the phone. Don't think that John's trying to purposely ignore you. I'm missing calls. In fact, sometimes I have to cut my telephone off and then cut it back on, and then I'll see I've got like a voicemail or two that I realized that that I did not have a warning that I had a missed call or a voicemail. And this, this kind of stuff happens when you're dealing with a phone seven years old in this case. And so it's time for me to splurge, and I'm okay with that. My phone's been good. My phone's been real good. I've dropped it several times, and it's never had a cracked screen. So in honor of my phone surviving seven years without a big cracked screen after all the times I dropped it, I'm not going to trade it in. I'm going to keep my iPhone when I get ready to get a new phone. I'm going to have this thing in the Y'all Museum one day. Very small museum, but it'll be there regardless. Uh, I'm excited about getting a new phone. So Cyber Monday comes. And I'm prepared to go get a new phone Monday. I go into the national store, the national company that I have my service with. They don't have a single deal on phones for Cyber Monday. No savings whatsoever. So I go into a national box store that is promoting Cyber Monday deals, including on iPhones. I go in there, and you know what? They don't want to sell me an iPhone because they won't get the credit for it, for the service, or something stupid like that. So you got it at a good price, but I can't sign up for it that day because those people don't get some kind of credit or Apple won't recognize them. I I didn't understand it. I just put my hands up and said, all right, whatever. Whatever, dude. (laughs) So somebody told me about another company that advertises on a lot of social uh, uh, media stuff, and they're a conservative telephone company, and I, I've I've tried to deal with them, and it's kind of hard to deal with them. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to have to go back to writing letters if this thing breaks on me because it shouldn't be this hard. 
No. And I wasn't looking for five thousand dollars in savings. I was just looking for a little little perk because if you go back to earlier this week, almost every business had some kind of deal going on to try to get you to to do a little business with them on Cyber Monday or on Black Friday. And I figured that Apple would cut you a break because even on Apple's homepage, I think they were offering maybe a couple of extra months of Apple Plus and other savings, perhaps some kind of gift card or something. It gets confusing. It really does, which is another reason I don't like having to make these kind of big purchases. Thank goodness I bought a car a couple of years ago, and that, to me, was a hard enough deal because there's so many options and so many ways you can do it. And I'm sorry, I'm of the I'm of the variety that whoever's selling it to you is just going to be ripping you off. I don't know if that happened to me when I bought a car or not. Hopefully not, because I like my car and I like the people I deal with, but they they still might have ripped me off. I'm not really sure. They better not have. <laughs> uh, if they did, they did it with a smile, and I guess that's real craftsmanship on their their part or any kind of salesperson when they get a lot of money out of you and you think they're they're actually doing you a favor i I don't know if that happened or not but i it better not have happened but uh but yeah the the big purchases and i put a a car right there i put a uh buying a cell phone right there lord knows don't try to get me to go buy a house right now that would be even tougher but the good news about a house compared to a cell phone or even a car is if you or halfway smart with your purchase, then you're going to make make money if you ever have to sell it. It'll be a, a net gain for you on the market. But, uh, yeah, tough decisions sometimes don't come easy for me. Y'all want to help me out on that going forward? Please, please, I need all the help I can get. You know what? I need help right now kicking into some news of the day. And the big story coming out of the nation today is the funeral of Rosalind Carter that will be taking place in Plains, Georgia at Marantha Baptist Church is where the funeral will be held. And then the burial on the Carter family grounds in Plains, Georgia. Jimmy and Rosalind Carter married 77 years. and She passed away last week. Jimmy, at age 99, was able to go to Atlanta on Tuesday where he attended the memorial service for his wife on the campus of Emory University. And at that memorial service, Presidents Clinton joined, uh, I shouldn't have said Clintons in plural, an almost President Clinton, and Hillary was there, but President Bill Clinton was there, as well as President Carter, and then you had first ladies of the past, Laura Bush, you had Michelle Obama, Melania Trump, I think that covered everybody, all the living former first ladies were in attendance at Rosalind Carter's memorial service on Tuesday in Atlanta. That was the more public one. I believe what's happening today in Plains is going to be very private. As the area of southwest Georgia says goodbye to this couple that brought a lot of attention to Georgia when they were president and first lady back in the 1970s. And it hit me yesterday. I saw President Trump's, I meant President Trump, President Carter's, I guess it would be his oldest child, Chip Carter. And he spoke at the memorial service for his mother on Tuesday. And I don't know much about this guy. I mean, the only Carter I ever really heard from when he was president was Amy, the daughter that was in the White House with him. And then President Carter's brother, Billy Carter, 
was pretty famous back in the day. In fact, I need to play a Billy Carter song because he had some country music records out in the 70s. Uh, I got a book here in front of me. I wonder how well those things did. I got I got to pull that up here on a second. But I, I, it hit me when I saw Chip Carter speaking at that memorial service Tuesday that I used to go to work in Nashville and I would I lived in Franklin and I'd get up and get my clothes on on most days and I'd drive right through the historic portion of downtown Franklin and they had a guy that would be picking up the trash and blow dry blow blow blowing off leaves I mean, he worked for the city of Franklin, and he was a worker just like you would see in any other town in America, out early in the morning cleaning up the downtown portion of Franklin, Tennessee. And that guy was Billy Carter's son. It was Jimmy Carter's nephew was the fellow that was out doing that kind of work early in the morning in in Franklin, Tennessee. I just always thought that was pretty bizarre that a president's nephew was Picking up trash, but he did it, and that was kind of a cool thing. It reminded us all that we're we're not too good for any kind of work out there, y'all. So I thought of that. I, I did not see the nephew at the memorial service because the camera angle didn't allow for everybody to be seen. But our thoughts with the Carter family as they grieve the loss of this first lady, Rosalind Carter, and Jimmy able to attend that service on Tuesday in Atlanta as he was in a very, I mean, he's in hospice care. So he was in sort of a wheelchair slash hospital bed looking thing. And I did not see any really big close-ups of him, but he, he was wearing a, a coat and tie and his daughter, Amy was right beside him during the memorial service for his wife of so many, many years, Rosalind Carter. Elsewhere in our headlines across the South today, A novelist from Florida has died at the age of 62, as novelist Tim Dorsey, who mixed comedy and murder in his Surge A. Storms series, has passed away. Dorsey, a former police and courts newspaper reporter, got a lot of fame with his Surge A. Storms series of books, and he was a big fan of Florida history and writing about serial killers and more. Dorsey, again, dying at the age of 62, he published 26 novels. Fans of Dorsey appreciated his clever observations and satirical pokes at the weirdness of Florida as he was part of a trio of former newspaper men from Florida. Dave Barry, Carl Heisen, those guys all went on to have a great, great writing career, oftentimes bringing in the weirdness of Florida into their writing and I mean there must be something to working as a newspaper writer in Florida and then going on to be a successful novelist I've got a friend of mine Ace Adkins who was once a crime reporter in Tampa maybe St. Pete somewhere in that area who quickly as a youngster right out of Auburn where he was an all SEC player for the undefeated Auburn football team of 1993 and the son of a great Auburn football player of yesteryear, I believe his name was Billy Atkins, was Ace's dad. Ace actually went to high school in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, Ace switched from football to being a crime reporter. Then he decided to be a heck of a 
novelist, and he's got a whole series of books that have been published for more than 20 years. And so, yeah, uh, a nice little combination. Some of Mr. Dorsey's works include The Big Bamboo, Hurricane Punch, Nuclear Jellyfish, and When Elves Attack. Again, Florida novelist Tim Dorsey, author of the Surge A. Storms stories, has died at the age of 62. Elsewhere in our news headlines across the South today, this comes to us from the Mountain State. Phone service was knocked out to emergency call centers for several hours on Tuesday, and that was in several West Virginia counties. Residents in some counties were advised to use alternative business numbers to call during the 911 outage. A spokesperson for Frontier Communications said its fiber optic lines experiences they experienced two cuts in the northern section of the state, one involving copper vandalism and the other due to damage related to a winter storm. So idiots went in to this telecommunications center and stole the copper out of the lines there, the fiber optic lines, and that literally shut down phone service in several counties of West Virginia. Copper vandalism. Then you also had a little winter storm that affected it too. Frontier is planning to offer up to $5,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of those involved in the copper theft. Tips are welcome as they're consulting with local law enforcement. While 911 calls were going through Tuesday in Kanawha County in the state capital of Charleston, the sheriff's office there said other phone issues remained unresolved. So this is in the state capital. You were having telephone issues, including calling 911, all because some idiot was trying to steal copper. I, I haven't heard of people stealing copper lately. And that's a good thing. And that was all the rage there for a while. And my family, FYI, comes from an agricultural profession. And we have a lot of pipes that are used to irrigate the vegetables that grow on the family farm. I mean, lots of pipes. And you have people that literally every day, that's all they do. They lay pipe. And then they go back and move it to another position. Well, these people... would be stealing, and and the pipes used out in those vegetable fields were not made of copper, but people would still be, they would would steal the pipe from the fields to go to these places to get money. And you'd think these salvage centers or whoever these recycle centers would have sense enough to know that if somebody brought in a big, long, I'm talking 20-foot-long pipe, that they had no business having that because there's a good chance they, they stole it from some farmer, and that was often the case. In fact, somebody I knew growing up, somebody who was a mentor, someone who was a supposed to be a leader for me, was rumored to be a pipe thief right there in the community. That's pretty low down. I saw his widow not long ago, and I couldn't help but think of that story while I was sitting there shaking her hand. And I liked her husband when he was a mentor to me growing up. But uh, unfortunately, like so many, he got on drugs and alcohol and uh, 
It's just a, a, a terrible, terrible cycle that so many get on, and it's a losing cycle. So just be advised. But copper, I mean, you've got homes under construction that have this stuff stolen all the time. Businesses have copper thieves come in and tear up the place. Un- unbelievable. Un- unbelievable. And lastly, in our headlines across the southeast, we now know, you know, she doesn't have to pick up the phone and call 911, but she also is not going to pick up the phone and send a text message. We're talking about Dolly Parton. We've got news now about why she doesn't text while chatting with Drew Barrymore on Monday on the Drew Barrymore show. The 77-year-old now Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Dolly Parton. She said she'd rather send a fax than a text message, as she told Drew. I'm a low-tech girl in a high-tech world. I surround myself with all these people that are into that high-tech world, but I don't want to talk to everybody that wants to talk to me. As she said, I don't text because I don't want to have to answer. If somebody calls me, I'll answer if I want to talk to them, or I'll call them back when I can. Otherwise, I've got too much to think about than to clutter my mind up with everything else. She said she wanted to make it clear that she could text if she wanted to. As she said, she's not a stupid person. And she said, I could learn it if I wanted to, but I'd rather just have my fax machine, call in my creative stuff to my crew, and I've got the best crew in the world, and I surround myself with great people, and I just don't have time to just sit with my face in the phone all day. You know what, Dolly? That's a dang good, good philosophy. And you know what? She just brought fax machines back to life because they've been pretty irrelevant for quite some time. I tried to send a fax from an office about two months ago, and I had no idea if it went through or not. And about a week ago, I was walking near that machine one day, and I heard a noise, and the thing printed out that my fax didn't go through, something that I tried to do two months in advance. I had no knowledge that it either went through or didn't. I think I decided to give up on the fax and just email it. But it offered a fax option, and I said, well, I'll just send it that way. Fax machines need help. Dolly, if you're listening, maybe you can make faxes great again. You know what's incredible besides Dolly Parton and fax machines? My goodness, did you see her Thanksgiving wearing that Dallas Cowboy cheerleader outfit? She's 77 years old, but her figure is as good as a 17-year-old. And we've always known that Dolly had some, uh, let's just say, nice pom-poms with her wardrobe, but the the whole physique ain't bad Dolly at 77. And she rocked that Dallas, as I call them, cowgirls look as they routed the Washington Redskins football team commanders Thanksgiving Day. You know what, Dolly, I think I'm going to send you a text and say how beautiful you look that day. You, you think you could respond back to me via fax? <laughs> That's a look at some of our news headlines on this Y'all Show Wednesday edition. When we come back, 
We're going to have to move over from talking about Dolly to something else. And that's that's going to be a hard transition. We are going to talk about food, believe it or not. We've got canning on our mind. And I've got a great canner, Adeline Zook, some audio of her talking about canning. And that's right ahead. All those farmers out there on great devices like International Harvesters, Craig Morgan, thank you for singing that one. And all of you who are more of the John Deere type, you might even have the New Holland tractors up and going on this Wednesday across the Southland, all making a living, doing what we need is farmers, FYI, feed you three times a day. Thank you, farmers. We're back here on the Y'all Show. Farmers help deliver food. And we've got a section of our Wednesday Y'all Show we call the Southern Food for Thought. And today, Craig Morgan, with a great song like that one, is helping us talk about something that farmers, their byproducts, their great food that comes out of the fields of the South can end up right in our kitchen. And you know what we can do with that great food? We can eat it. Yes, of course, we should eat that delicious food that farmers make and grow. But you know what? Sometimes we don't eat we don't need to necessarily eat it right now. We can save it for later. And one of our great traditions in the South 
is canning. And so today, as part of our Southern Food for Thought, we've got a couple of food-related, canning-specifically related items to bring across. As we found the article, Best Days to Can are Pickle, Veggies, and Fruit. And I'm going to take a few moments to talk about that. Then, I've actually got a YouTube video that I found of a YouTuber, a great video from Adeline Zook about Canning 101. And she's got a very helpful demonstration of, I think it's called bathtub canning or water tub or water. You know, I wasn't paying attention when she started talking about it. Now that I think about it, you know, I need to go to this 101 course, and I will. But we've got that coming up in just a second. But first, let me tell you again, the best days to can are pickled vegetables and fruit. There is an article posted at almanac.com that gives us a great, great kind of guide for this so according to this it's time to prepare the harvest there are the best days to can or pickle fruits and vegetables from the old farmer's almanac and again this comes to us from almanac.com according to this article the five next best days to can or pickle vegetables and fruit based on the moon's sign december 9th december 10th so you got just over a week and a half before you realize those are the best days to can or pickle vegetables and fruit based on the moon. (laughs) But you know what? I would go with what the Farmer's Almanac's telling me. December 9th, December 10th. You can get in there and just go at it in your kitchen on those two days and make all kinds of fun stuff with tomatoes. Maybe there's nothing like a good can of stewed tomatoes that are put in a can and then you can open it up later and use it for spaghetti or whatever you need tomatoes for how about pickles you can do the the pickles on december 9th and 10th and then save them for christmas day that'd be a great stocking stuffer to give somebody but december 9th and december 10th according to the old farmer's almanac the next five best days to can are pickle vegetables and fruit all, again, based on the moon's sign. Almanac.com, the website you can go to if you need further guidance. So Adeline Zook is a YouTuber that I found, Talk, and she does a good job talking about canning. And she's got a great video called Canning 101, Water Bath Everything? Canning for Beginners, How to Can Traditional Food Preservation. So it's... Water bath canning is what I was trying to come up with. And Adeline takes us now on her YouTube channel and and really introduces us to this. If you've never canned before, it seems like a pretty easy thing to do. And it's something that will reward you and others too, by the way, going forward. So let's go now to Adeline Zook on her YouTube channel. (laughs) Well, that's not Adeline. Uh, Let's go to her YouTube channel now and hear her talk about what we call water bath canning. And she does a great job on this canning 101 helpful video tutorial. Take it away, Professor Adeline Zook. So water bath canning is an old way of canning. It's how they canned things in 
jars like you see behind me. Um, long before there was a pressure canner around or people used pressure canners in their homes. And basically the idea behind water bath canning is you just need a pot or a kettle that is a little bit deeper than whatever jar you're going to be canning with. And generally with a normal canner that you buy in the store these days, there is a rack that sits in the bottom. And basically that's there because you want something between the bottom of the pan and your jar because you may end up with some burnt stuff in your jar if you don't have something between there. I know that in years past, my mom in a pinch has put a dish towel in the bottom of her canner or kettle when she was canning something um, just to kind of give a buffer there. I think I've even done that when you can't find your rack or maybe you have a problem with your rack, it's broken or something like that. Um, we've done that. Again, that would not be the by the book way to run a, <laughs> a water bath canner, but like I said, I'm just gonna give you the little things that I have done or my mom or my mother-in-law has done. So um, basically what you wanna do is you start out with clean jars and this is a preference thing. Some people like to have their jars really, really hot um, when they start out. Generally, I do not. Um, I've never had a problem with my jars cracking or anything. That's usually why people do that is they will have their jars really hot when they're putting hot liquid into the jars if you are hot packing and we'll get to that word in just a second. So I personally generally just start out with room temperature jars and then I just load them up and you wanna have your rings and lids ready. So I'm gonna break some of that stuff down here in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of tell you the idea around water bath canning. So once you have the lids and the rings on your jars, um, then you will get your jars in the water and you definitely want the water to be around the temperature of whatever is inside your jar. So if you're cold packing something, then maybe you want room temperature water. If you're putting boiling hot chili into some jars and you're getting ready to can that, then you definitely want the water inside your canner to be pretty hot as well. Hey guys, so I just wanted to take a minute to see. We didn't need to hear that. But so far, have you learned much about that from this lady? Let's go back to her and... See if we don't get a daggum commercial interrupting us. You don't need to go anywhere for them. I know for myself, I've been going into kind of a new season of life with different health concerns. So finding out what supplements and vitamins I should be taking can feel a bit overwhelming. But Care Of makes it really, really simple. They simply... Okay, Adeline, you fail. Yeah, you know, these YouTubers, they like to make money. So I guess that's a creative way for her to... Um, Make a little money off that, so we're just going to have to stop there. But did you learn anything again about water bath canning? Sounds like a perfect exercise for you and Honey when y'all get a chance. Y'all can can together. You know, I've I've had uh, a few ladies in my time, and uh, I've had a few ladies that that didn't turn out too well, and now I realize maybe why it didn't stick. We never can together. That's when your relationship can go to a whole new level. When you and your sweetie can take time out on a weekend and spend all day canning. Now that is love. 
and I, I failed to do that. And now it, it all makes sense right here on the Y'all Show. We've got to thank Adeline Zook for helping us out. Anyway, her style of canning before she got into pitching products, water bath canning sounds great. And we appreciate the helpful information. Again, the best days to can, according to that Farmer's Almanac, coming up in the uh, second week of December, somewhere around December 9th and 10th, are going to be your best days. The next, the five next best days, by the way, starting December 9th for the canning process. And again, that's all based on the moon's sign. And that stuff works. Farmer's Almanac. Don't don't laugh it until you tried it, y'all. That wraps up our Southern Food for Thought here on this Wednesday Y'all Show. When we come right back, we're going to close out the hour with some Southern business news. We've got some numbers coming in on Black Friday. I think it was a pretty dang good day out there, y'all. And I'll share that info when we return. said grandpa wants this picture here it's all black and white and it ain't real clear as that you there he said yeah i was a loving time for tough back in 35 that's me and uncle joe just trying to survive a cotton farm in a great depression if it looks like we were scared to death Like a couple of kids just trying to save each other You should have seen it in color On oh, this one here was taken overseas In the middle of hell in 1943 Almost see my breath. That was my tail gunner, old Johnny McGee. He was a high school teacher from New Orleans, and he had my back right through the day we left. If it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other. Should have seen it in color A picture's worth a thousand words But you can't see what those shades of gray keep covered You should have seen it in color Mr. Alabama crooner Jamie Johnson bringing us back in for break here on this Wednesday Y'all Show, wrapping up hour number two with some business goings on across the southeast you know jamie's all about seeing things in color well black friday was the theme the last couple of days and guess what the news coming in that black friday weekend shopping soared the turnout soared to a record turnout as consumers out seeking bargains you might have heard me ramble a few minutes ago about trying to get a new iphone and so far, I haven't got a bargain. Why don't y'all just let me have one of these new iPhones? That'd be nice. 
maybe not you, the listener, but all you big corporations, if you're listening, I'll say nice things about your company here on the Y'all Show. Uh, shopper turnout across websites and stores hit an all-time high of over $200 million over the five-day weekend. Over $200 million shoppers turning out for the five-day Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday. That, according to a survey from the National Retail Federation, shoppers shelled out an average of $321 on holiday-related purchases over the Black Friday weekend. That's about on, uh, I'd say that's about on average with 2022. The strong turnout comes as shoppers bargain hunt and retailers strike a more cautious tone. But yeah, shoppers out over these last few days trying to get ready for Christmas. The number of people shopping online, by the way, rose to 134 million. That's up 4 million. It was 130 million last year. That from the National Retail Federation. The major trade group, the NRF, did not estimate total spending, but said shoppers most likely on average of $321 on holiday-related purchases. So all in all, very, very good, good savings. Cyber Monday, by the way, sales for that. Totaling twelve point four billion, that's up nine point six percent from twenty twenty two. It's a good time, it looks like, if you're in the retail business, at least between now and Christmas. Then come January, February, March, and a large portion of the new year, it's not quite as fun in the retail business. You make your money right now. Or you think about switching careers. <laughs> If you're in the retail business, at least. Mortgage rates will settle around 5.5% to 6%. That, according to Moody's Analytics, Mark Zandi. Zandi is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics. And he was on CNBC talking about the concerns for affordability in the real estate market. And about when inventory will settle and more. But again, according to this... Moody's analytics guy, Mark Zandi, mortgage rates are going to settle around 55 to 6% in the coming days. Jerome Powell, help us out here, sir. Don't forget, come, up, uh, come join us on Friday as we will have Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group drop back by, and he does a fantastic job making sense of all these business goings-on across the southeast and around the nation and he'll do that Friday when he drops by on the Hare Financial Report weekly look at the markets and more. Some legal news here in our business headlines of the day. A judge has sided with Paramount on some claims in a Warner Brothers South Park streaming lawsuit. This judge ended up siding with Paramount over claims in Warner Brothers Discovery's lawsuit over South Park streaming rights, the Warner Brothers group paying $500 million in 2019 to put the back catalog of South Park episodes on its streaming service. The company said Paramount breached that contract by streaming South Park specials on Paramount Plus. And a judge now siding with Paramount 
on certain claims that Warner Brothers Discovery sued earlier this year over the streaming rights. And I'm a South Park fan. I mean, they are geniuses. The guys that created that, Trey and the other fellow, I forget his name. And if you've never watched the movie Team America, you're missing, you're missing out. If you've never watched basketball with those two guys who play themselves in that basketball film, I mean, these guys are hilarious. And anything South Park, I try to watch. I know that a lot of it is not exactly kid-friendly, but they have such a good time making fun of the stuff that goes on in everyday America, especially the wokeness. And these guys are from Colorado, which ain't exactly the most conservative place in the world these days. But, uh, man, South Park. And and I've tried to find South Park stuff, and it's hard to find. I, I don't know the proper place to go get South Park on demand, and that may be why we're reading headlines today about a judge siding with Paramount on some claims against Warner Brothers in a streaming lawsuit that is currently being litigated in the courts of the United States. And and I wish I could use Trey's voice here at this point to to wrap up this headline, but I can't. You know, I'll just leave that kind of humor to those guys, but uh man, they they, they are they are funny folks without a doubt. South Park, give them a chance. I just don't know where to tell you to stream them because that's why we've got headlines about them today. That wraps up hour 2. More fun coming in hour 3 of the Y'all Show. Welcome. It is the final hour of our program called Y'all, powered by the South's homepage, y'all.com. John Rawl, good to have you back on Y'all. Would love to hear from you. You can email us anytime here at the show, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com is one easy way to find us here on the show that shakes the Southland. We also have our text line that's open 24-7, 4184. In this final hour, we've got Southern history to tell you about. We've got some great birthday folks today to pass along from a guy that started acting as a youngster and is still appearing in on a film or two every now and then, but a heck of a golfer. Lucas Black out of Alabama. Birthday today. Russell Wilson, NFL quarterback for the Denver Broncos, former Wolfback quarterback. He is celebrating today. And Governor Andy Bashir of the Bluegrass of Kentucky with a birthday today. I've got info on all those, plus another Southerner. She's from Baltimore. She's a Balmer girl. Anna Ferris with a birthday today. In our final segment today, we're going to go to a really funny clip 
of the actress and humorist Anna Ferris talking about the looks that she's had in some of her most popular movies. And boy, is she a funny and absolutely stunning lady all in the same package. Anna Ferris info, the birthday girl coming up later in this Wednesday broadcast. By the way, programming note, today is our 699th episode of the Y'all Show. So that means come Thursday, it's going to be a party. It is episode 700 when we get back here on Thursday. And we're going we're gonna to have a good time. You know, 700 episodes is a lot. And we'll, we'll put a big smile on your face, we hope, with our celebration on Thursday's Y'all Show. But today, it's 699. So we better, we better get back to work here and stop thinking about partying, okay? But we encourage you to find the Y'all Show. We'll have a party for you each and every time you find us in podcast form. The Y'all Show is available in iTunes. It's on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast, and it's in Apple iTunes. And, oh, yeah, it's also at y'all.com, the South's homepage. Let's pick up the news headlines of the day. And one of those news headlines, I've got some audio queued up. Alec Murdoch was in court, and he was sentenced on Tuesday in South Carolina. I'm going to let you hear Murdoch speak openly in just a second. That's coming up. Plus, I've got a little information to tell you about rapper Rick Ross. He was in Mississippi for Thanksgiving. What's Rick Ross up to? I'll give you that info. So hang just uh, hang on just a second. But we start off our news headlines today with tragedy in our United States military. At least one service member has been officially announced as deceased after an Osprey helicopter slash aircraft, whatever these things, they're kind of part helicopter, part airplane, an Osprey crashed off of the coast of southern Japan with six aboard, and now the military searching for the other five. We hope they're able to get these service members on board, but the Coast Guard received an emergency call from a fishing boat near a crash site off of Yakashima in southern Japan, and unfortunately it's a U.S. Osprey aircraft that went down. The Osprey is a hybrid aircraft that takes off and lands like a helicopter, but while flying, it can rotate its propellers forward and cruise much faster like an airplane. And Ospreys are used by the Marine Corps, by the United States Navy, and by the Air Force. So we hope the best in the recovery, but at least already coming out that one service member has lost their life in this crash. In Okinawa where about half of the 50,000 American troops in Japan are based. The governor of that island, or that section of Japan, Denny Tamaki, told reporters that he will ask the U.S. military to suspend all Osprey flights in Japan. So this must be a recurring problem that goes on. But um, sad news here on a Wednesday to report that to you. Also, some business news. It looks like Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks is going to try to sell the majority of his team to the Sands Casino family from Vegas. Now, that is the the casino that Sheldon Adelson once had. His widow is Miriam Adelson, and she controls the company. And right now, a deal potentially being worked out where Mark Cuban is going to have a $3.5 billion sale of the Dallas Mavericks to the Sands Casino family. 
eyes on Washington, uh, eyes on Vegas and DC in uh, Dallas to see what happens there between these parties and a potential sale of a NBA franchise. Today in Plains, Georgia, Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest. Funeral at Marantha Baptist Church in Plains. They'll have the procession go through the streets of downtown Plains. The city, it's not even a city, the community of which both Rosalind and her husband of more than 75 years, Jimmy Carter, they were born in Plains. They worshipped in Plains. They raised families in Plains, Georgia. They came back to Plains after their time in the White House. They worshipped at this church. They were Sunday school teachers in Plains, Georgia, all these years. And today she will have her funeral back in her home city, her home hamlet, if you will, and she'll be laid to rest at the Carter home, I think is where it's going to be the burial. All that today as the nation mourns the loss of former First Lady Rosalind Carter. Also in our news headlines across the southeast today, Alec Murdoch was on trial in the last couple of weeks for financial crimes. And on Tuesday, Murdoch, the guy that killed his, or is alleged to have killed and was found guilty of killing, so I guess you won't call it alleged if you've been found guilty. He found guilty of killing his wife and his son. He's been in a financial crimes fraud trial for the last few days, and Tuesday, he was sentenced to 27 years for financial fraud as I think this case was being tried in Beaufort, South Carolina. I think that's the courtroom where this was being held. And Murdoch agreeing to the plea. It's a it's a very lengthy plea for financial fraud, 27 years. But my goodness, did he have a lot of stuff being leveled against him. And he stole from friends. He was a bad actor. This lawyer turned felon. Tuesday before he went off back to jail, he was confronted by the victims of his financial fraud, including the sons of a woman that he took the settlement money, millions of dollars from, a woman that literally helped raise Murdoch's own children. And those young men confronted Alec Murdoch. He also confronted people he grew up with that considered he considered to be his best friends. He stole from them. Just a complete fall from grace for Murdoch and the Murdoch family. I've got some audio I'm going to play now of Alec Murdoch there in South Carolina Tuesday after he had the victims go off on him for a while. He spent about 45 minutes, the judge there, allowing Murdoch to address the victims. And I thought that in the end, this was a pretty amazing gesture by the judge and by the South Carolina law enforcement community. Creighton Waters is the prosecutor, and Alan Wilson is the state's attorney general. And I thought it would have been maybe a 10-minute apology. And this went on about 45 minutes. And Judge Newman there in that court let Murdoch do I would say the right thing, just giving him his chance. He's not going to be really heard from. And Judge Clifton Newman 
who also oversaw the murder case for Alec Murdoch earlier this year, let Murdoch talk. And I'm going to play a clip now where you're, you're going to hear Alec Murdoch apologize and apologize and apologize, but he, he brings up something that really I don't think was talked about a lot in the murder trial, and that's Murdoch's unfortunate addiction to painkillers and all that he was taking on that front and how it affected his life. And he addresses anybody that's been caught up in the whole addiction to drugs business. And you just have to believe this guy who, again, is a convicted murderer of his wife and his son and now pleading guilty. I mean, he admits to doing all this, all the financial fraud that he did, that he has... He still has a heart. You kind of have to feel for him a little bit. doesn't mean he needs to get off easy at all. But at least it's interesting to hear a guy who, again, at one time was a courtroom lawyer and a successful attorney in the low country of South Carolina. Here is a portion of Alec Murdoch Tuesday addressing the victims at that courtroom in the low country of South Carolina. I had people who loved me. who tried to help me. Many, many more people who I know would have helped me. I had resources. I had access to more resources. And I still couldn't beat it. I tried many, many times just too hard. I say please get professional help. I'm very proud as I stand here today to be 812 days clean. But I didn't do it soon enough. Please get help now. There are so many wonderful facilities out there with professional people who care and who do wonderful wonderful work. I would like to say a special thank you to the people at the Vol Recovery Rehabilitation Center and at Sunrise Detox for all the wonderful care that they gave me every single day I utilize the processes that they taught me and I used the tools that they gave me in hopes that tomorrow I can add another day to my total. Lastly, I want to thank the men and women who have sent me letters, emails, and given messages to my attorneys with genuine messages of support. <coughs> they mean more to me than you could possibly know. And I- All right, that's Alec Murdoch again from Tuesday where he was sentenced to 27 years in prison for the financial fraud 
that he brought upon a lot of victims. What if you if you haven't followed this financial fraud portion of the Murdoch scenario? He was a trial lawyer, and what would happen, or what happens in trial lawyer offices around the country is they get settlements and the lawyers get a percentage of the settlement of a case and you know what in this whole trial i was captivated by all this and i've already forgotten the percentage but i'm thinking it might be 15 percent it may be 20 i think it fluctuates but it's somewhere around 20 percent of the proceeds if you will of a settlement go to the attorney and then they also pay cost and more that are in, uh, associated with the case. But there were cases that Murdoch, as a lawyer, worked that were multi-million dollar cases. And he was part of a law firm, a very successful South Carolina law firm, that his own father had helped start, maybe even his grandfather. And it had been around Hampton, South Carolina, a long time. And what happened in the case that really Murdoch spun out of control financially was that his greed and his tendency for being a criminal caught up with him. There was a company called Forge that had a legitimate arrangement with the law firm of which Alec Murdoch worked for, and they would maybe share some of the settlements or something like that. Maybe they issued the settlements. And so what would happen is that Alec went to another bank in that area of South Carolina and created an account with a name similar to Forge. It had Forge as part of it. And so whenever they would get settlement cases, they would issue checks to what would be called in the murder case the fake forge and there would be fake autographs endorsements on the on the payouts and more it was pretty savvy what they did but very illegal at the same time and so that's why the guy with that bank has been found guilty and he's going to be going to jail and it's just a Another example that even if you're rich and you got resources, and at least locally these guys were famous in in this section of South Carolina, despite all of that, you think they're living in ivory towers, you still can fall victim to stupidity and criminal activity. And in this case, it appears that he's been found guilty of murder of his wife and his son, and, and now he's pleading guilty to financial fraud, he's going to go to jail for 27 years. It's, it's pretty complicated, but I, I think I've done a pretty good job of setting up the basics of the fall of Alec Murdoch in South Carolina. And it's been a case that a lot of you have followed along the way. But Tuesday, he addressed the courtroom there in South Carolina and now is off to a 27-year sentence for all of his wrongdoings financially. That on top of what he's doing, life sentences for murder, being found convicted of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. Lastly, in our headlines on this Wednesday, Rick Ross is a rapper. You probably heard of Rick Ross, rapper Rick Ross. Well, Thanksgiving was a chance for him to get back to 
the Mississippi Delta, as his grandparents, Tommy Jr. and Rosalie Fields, used to live on Barn Street in Clarksdale, Mississippi. That's where, you know, they say that, uh, what was it, Johnson? Robert Johnson sold his soul at the crossroads in Clarksdale. Well, rapper Rick Ross isn't necessarily crooning uh, blues tunes these days. He's a rapper. But he got back to Clarksdale and got there just in time to feed the community for Thanksgiving. Since 2019, the Ross family, Rick, they've held a balloon release for his grandparents. And some family members of Rick Ross still live there. And this year, Rick went back to Clarksdale, honored his grandparents, and then he ordered food from Turkey Leg Hut in Houston, Texas. That's a long way from Clarksdale. And the food from Turkey Leg Hut helped feed around 300 members of the Clarksdale community. A feel-good story for Thanksgiving and happy to report on it. Way to go, Rick Ross. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to continue our Wednesday fun. We'll have Southern history to tell you about. We've got a couple of people with big birthdays that we'll get to today, and I'll tell you who they are. And we'll also have some humor coming from birthday girl Anna Ferris before we get out of here today. It's the show all about the South. It's the Y'all Show, yous guys. So round, so firm, so fully packed, that's my gal. So complete from front to back, that's my pal. Toasted by the sun, and I'm a son of a gun. If she don't make my five o'clock shadow, come around at one. You can bet your boots I'd walk a mile through the snow. Just to see her toothbrush smile They mention on the radio If you don't think she's a lot of fun Just ask the man that owns one So round, so firm, so fully packed That's my gal All right, a song perfect for 2023 (laughs) That's Merle Travis, Kentucky's own a birthday boy today. That was his final number one song back from 1947 was when that was atop the chart. So round, so firm, so fully packed. That, of course, followed his other big song called Divorce Me, C.O.D. Merle Travis music, the birthday fella, born on this day back in 1917. So round, so firm, so fully packed That's for me She's just like the money back Guarantee Like a barfly goes for drink Like the Bobby Sox goes for Frank And just like Jesse James would go for money in the bank Alright, we're back on y'all I had a chance to go to the Merle Travis Performing Arts Center I guess that's what it's called Not long ago up in Kentucky in the same county, Muhlenberg County, that he is from. It's a great facility. 
And it's all devoted to Thumb Pickers. It's the Thumb Picker Hall of Fame that's being created. And I had a chance to go up there to see my favorite artist of all time, Steve Warner, perform there back late September. And I got a real dose of Merle Travis knowledge while I was there. And pretty cool stuff from the old Thumb Picker himself, Merle Travis. And more about Merle Travis here on the Y'all Show. This is where we give you Southern history and more as we gather on this program all about the Southeast. And Merle Travis was born just to the south of Cincinnati on this day as he was born in Rosewood, Kentucky. Merle Travis was a singer, songwriter, and guitarist that had songs like this one you're hearing right now. And he also sang songs like Re-Enlistment Blues back in World War II, 16 Tons was a Merle Travis tune of note. And he would go on from his singing to be in movies and more. He had lots of albums, albums that came out after his death. And again, he was in lots of films. Starting in 1944, he was in a film called I'm from Arkansas, but also was in Movies in the late 1940s when songs like that were doing well on the radio. Texas Home was a film that he was in as well as in Montana Plains. A lot of the Old West type films he was in. And a pretty cool story of this guy from Muhlenberg County in Kentucky. Merle Travis, born on this day. Merle died in 1983 at 65 years young in Oklahoma. And a guy born on this day in history. Elsewhere across the South, people born on this day in history that I wanted to tell you about as part of our Southern History Spotlight. Today is the day that Stephen Hurlbut was born. Stephen Hurlbut was born in Charleston, South Carolina in 1815. Now, why in the world am I telling you about this guy from Charleston? Well, he ended up being a very powerful general in the American Civil War, but he was a general for the North. That's right. Stephen Hurlbut, although born in Charleston, would at one point in his life move on to the North, and there he got elected to a member of the U.S. House of Representatives in 1870. This was after the war, 1873, when he was elected. That even could have been Abraham Lincoln's old congressional seat but he moved to illinois in 1845 and got involved in illinois house of representatives work as he was elected to the illinois house right before the civil war he actually campaigned for lincoln during the presidential election and attended the inaugural of lincoln march of 1861 and then soon after performed a fact-finding mission at Lincoln's request, and he went back to his birth city of Charleston to investigate and report the actual state of feeling in this city and state, as he reports. And in a detailed report sent to Lincoln, Hurlbut wrote, There is positively nothing to appeal to. The sentiment of national patriotism, always feeble in Carolina, has been extinguished and overridden by the acknowledged doctrine of the paramount allegiance to the state. 
false political economy diligently taught for years has now become an axiom and merchants and business men believe and act upon this belief that great growth of trade and expansion of material property will and must follow the establishment of a southern republic. They expect a golden era when Charleston shall be a great commercial emporium and control for the south as New York does for the north. Wow. And that was just weeks before Fort Sumter was attacked in 1861. He would go on to be the commander of the 4th Division at the Battle of Shiloh. He was there as leading Union troops. And then he would, in about midway through the war, he would be the commander of the U.S. Army of the Gulf in the American Civil War. And that was primarily action in Louisiana and Alabama. That's where this guy would be leading up federal forces. Stephen Hurlbut, born on this day in Charleston in 1815, but would go on to be a Union commander in the Civil War and then a congressman from Illinois. He would die in Peru, of all places, in 1882. Not sure why he would have gone to Peru, but... That's a, a good, he was ambassador. My apologies. He was an appointed ambassador to Peru in 1881. Therefore, his death there in that country in the 19th century. Today is also the birthday of Nellie Taylor Ross. Nellie Taylor Ross was a lady who was born in St. Joseph, Missouri in 1876. Why is she famous? She became the first woman to be, I believe, governor of a state in the United States as she was elected governor of Wyoming. In 1924, she was elected, and she served as Wyoming's 14th governor for a couple of years, 1925 to 1927. She lost re-election. But she was born in St. Joseph, Missouri, to a native of Tennessee, James Taylor was her daddy, and he owned a plantation on the Missouri River there in Missouri. But after the Civil War, the family moved on to Kansas, and ultimately she would end up in Wyoming. And she was elected governor in the mid-1920s and the first woman in America to ever become a governor. Also with a birthday on this day in history, Yolanda Fox was born on this day, and she has an interesting story. She is a native of Mobile, Alabama, and she was a singer, but she also was a beauty pageant queen. And Miss Fox was crowned Miss America back in 1950, I believe is the technical year. Now, there's some controversy about Yolanda Fox because that's why she's kind of famous. She was crowned Miss America, the Mobile native, and she went there to compete in the pageant, but she was reluctant to pose in a swimsuit and refused to do so after she won Miss America. And so after that, a famous swimsuit company of the time withdrew their sponsorship of Miss America's pageant, and ultimately that's how the Miss USA pageant started was because of this Alabama native complaining about 
being photographed in a swimsuit. And it also changed up the years of which the Miss America crown would be awarded. Although she won in the year 1950, they made her the Miss America for 1951. They post-dated her title because of some of this controversy, not wanting to wear a swimsuit. And if you know anything about the Miss America organization today, they don't have the swimsuit as part of their competition. All this part of the Me Too after effects. But born on this day in Mobile, Yolanda Fox. She died back in 2016 at the age of 87 years young. But a Miss America from the early 1950s. Today is the birthday of the king. The king's birthday today, Jerry Lawler. Jerry born in Memphis back in 1949. Of course, he was a member of the WWF, now WWE. And a lot of people across the South woke up on Saturdays to see Lawler, the king, doing his thing in the ring. And today is his birthday Jerry the King Lawler. Happy birthday, and maybe you'll see him wrestling sometime soon. Today is also the birthday of a guy born in Kansas City. It's Don, uh, isn't his last name Cheadle or Chadley? He's an actor. You've seen him before. He's been in a bunch of movies. Very, very successful guy who's also very active politically and more. Don Cheadle, birthday today. Don is turning... 59 years young today. Impressive career that he's had as he's won Grammy Awards, a Tony Award, and a couple of Golden Globe Awards. Just tremendous. And I guess I'm I'm trying to think of all the movies he's been in that I've enjoyed watching through the years. But he's won stuff for his roles in Boogie Nights. Uh, He was in Picket Fences, Devil in a Blue Dress. He actually won a Screen Actors Guild Award for some of that work there back in that time. He won Screen Actor Guild Award for Picture, uh, for The Traffic was the movie there. And just so talented. Don Cheadle, happy birthday, sir. Elsewhere, Chadwick, speaking of another talented actor, unfortunately we lost this South Carolinian way too young in life. Today's the birthday of Chadwick Boseman. Born in Anderson, South Carolina, he died of colon cancer at the age of 43 back in 2020. But a very, very bright star from the upstate of South Carolina. And you might know him from his work. I mean, he was getting a lot of attention right at his death as he was in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, in the lead role as the Black Panther. He was also on the movie 21 Bridges, Black Panther, the See, the prequel to Wakanda Forever. He was also in the movie 42, the story about Jackie Robinson. He played Jackie in that film. And just a, a bright star that unfortunately, again, right in the middle of COVID, we found out that Chadwick Bozeman passed away unexpectedly from colon cancer. Bozeman born on this day back in 1976. Today's the birthday of Andy Bashir, the governor of Kentucky. Happy birthday, sir. He just got reelected. Andy is now 46 years young. Lucas Black with a birthday today, another talented Southern actor. 
Lucas was born in Decatur, Alabama, grew up in Speak, which is just to the southwest of Decatur. I think that's Lawrence County. And he even played some football for the Speak Bobcats there in Lawrence County, Alabama. He graduated from high school back in 2001 and got involved in acting at a very early age. He was in Kevin Costner's The War when he was just 11 years old. He's also been in Sling Blade. He was in Ghost of Mississippi. He's been in a bunch of movies like Deep Water, The Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift was in there. Just a very, very multi-talented actor that most recently he filmed a movie called Birthright Outlaw that's, I think, in post-production now. He was even in that movie that I just told you Chadwick Boseman was in, 42, as Lucas Black played the role of Pee Wee Reese in that one. Check him out. Lucas, born back in 1982. Happy 41st birthday to the Alabama-born actor Lucas Black. Today's the birthday of Russell Wilson, the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson born on this day, not in the South. He was born in Cincinnati for some reason, but he's got a 35th birthday today. Of course, he grew up in Richmond, went to collegiate school before going on to college, first at NC State where he was a very good quarterback for the Wolfpack before playing his final year at Wisconsin. Russell, playing with the Seahawks for many years, won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks before, in 2022, suiting up for the Denver Broncos, the resurgent Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson, celebrating a birthday today. I'm sure his bride is going to be very good to him today. Of course, his bride, I think, is Sierra, the very talented pop star herself, and Russell Wilson not doing too bad. Congratulations, sir, and good luck. I mean, man, what a turnaround for the Denver Broncos. They've they've been on quite a uh, quite a tear here recently, and we wish him all the best on his birthday. Today's also the birthday of Anna Ferris. She was born in 1976 on this day. So she's got her 47th birthday today. She was born in Baltimore and grew up there. Her father had a professorship at Towson University. At an early age, her father, I think, relocated out west, and she grew up out west some of her life. But she was born in Baltimore, Anna Ferris, the actress who's been in a bunch of stuff, and she's usually playing funny roles and more. Happy birthday to you, Anna. When we come back on the Y'all Show, I'm going to keep the Anna Ferris love going. We've got a clip of her talking about some of the fun things that she's got to wear and the various roles that she's played through the years as she's been in some real doozies of movies. And I love some of them that she's played along the way. The House Bunny was was one of them. And the other ones that she's done, pretty funny as well. And we're going to hear from her. I mean, Scary Movie, that's a thing that she's been a part of and and more. And we've got her talking about some of the outfits that she wore in movies like The House Bunny. When the Y'all Show comes back, we've got Anna Ferris as part of our Southern Humor Spotlight for the week. That's ahead. Again, you can always email us here at the Y'all Show, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Stay tuned for more of the show about the South.
some music from the movie from 2008, The House Bunny. And our birthday girl for today, Anna Ferris, starred as Shelley Darlington in that hilarious movie that did quite well at the box office and on demand, too. And Anna, birthday girl that you are, born in Baltimore on this day back in 1976. We thought we would close out this Y'all Show Wednesday edition with some fun from her. And Anna is talking about the various outfits that she wore in The House Bunny and other films. And she breaks it down with Glamour. And Glamour's YouTube channel has this video. I encourage you to go check it out. It's about a 10-minute clip, but we've got a portion of it we're going to play right now of the hilarious birthday girl herself, Anna Ferris, now breaking down her look. And she, as she will tell you here, went way overboard getting ready for this movie, House Bunny. I remember going to set every day and just feeling like I can't believe this is happening. I had 72 wardrobe changes and worked with the brilliant Mona May. She had the dressing room for our first fitting all in like pink couches, like heart pillows. The whole thing was for me to feel like I was in character. And she gave me this super platinum wig to wear. We had to do a lot of construction on the bra element. Oftentimes I would be sewn into my wardrobe and very frequently in order to hide the mic they had to attach it to my very upper thigh which means that antenna (laughs) you're very aware of the antenna. Let's just put it like that mom. Okay. (laughs) I brought these to share with you. Every person should have a pair of these shoes. They make you feel all powerful. I'm lucky enough that Mona gave me, I think, four pairs. These are life-changing, guys. I think I had never shown that much of my body, and at first I remember feeling like I'm the lead of this movie and I'm a producer on it. Sometimes crew tends to think of you as your character a little bit. I just was uncomfortable feeling so skimpy, I guess. But then something happened. Somewhere along the way, I I felt really good wearing (laughs) wearing those clothes. I didn't know that that was a part of my personality. It was really fun. It was a life-changing movie for me in a lot of different ways. I look back on that time with so much love. It was just really special. All right, again, that is Anna Ferris. Today is her birthday, and if you haven't had a chance to see House Bunny, hilarious movie of a a lady, if you will, in her post-college years that ends up going into college and joins a sorority, and she is a... I think a uh, play playboy esque type lady that's part of a sorority. It's 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 a very funny movie, and boy does she look very very uh, beautiful in that film from two thousand eight. The birthday gal herself, happy forty seven Anna Ferris. That wraps up our y'all show again, episode number seven hundred coming your way on Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your Wednesday, y'all.